Hello, welcome to the Cardinal Cafe. My name is Greg Chastain. I'm the president of Voices of Hope. I'm here with my friend Ed Siegel, who is a vice president of Voices of Hope. Hey, Ed, how you doing? Hi, Greg. How are you? Good. Back from a couple of week hiatus off in Indiana to cow country or corn country, yeah. however we call it back there. But I did get to see two baby cows born. I guess it'd be called calves, but we watched two calves being born, which was very cool, disgusting and cruel at the same time. Yeah, but they're too young for you to tip, right? They tip on their own. Yes, they tip on their own <laughs> because they are, they do look up to be waiters. That's just the beginning of jokes tonight, I have a feeling. It'll be a long <laughs> night. It is, but I'm glad to be back. We're currently in a huge thunderstorm, so let's cross fingers that we don't lose power here. But yeah, things are going good. We just completed our golf tournament. You want yeah. to give a synopsis of that day? It was a beautiful day out of Fire Oaks. Oh, it was a fantastic day. It was the best day of the month so far. You know, finally stopped raining. We had about a day for the course to dry out, which didn't completely dry out, but it was still a fantastic day. The weather was perfect, low humidity. We had 95 golfers, the most participation we've had to date. Everybody had an amazing time. And we had the post-event buffet. Everybody stayed. People were just dying to get out and enjoy the day, and they certainly did do that. And we raised a lot of money for the Tamir Center. Our friend Bob Howler from Channel 5 came and golfed with us. Um, and even though he's almost a pro, we reminded him we can't win. So Ed and I stunk on purpose. Mm-hmm. There was no, We're not bad golfers. We stunk on purpose. No. So we were good there. <laughs> and then our friends Cassandra and Donna from the Tamir Center showed up commandeered a golf cart dressed in what what would how would you describe the, how they were dressed it was a cross between ben hogan and the golf clowns i mean that's the best way i can describe them they're very colorful uh very fun everybody loved them if you remember the old jackie gleason and art carney where jackie walked in <laughs> in the high the high pants and the golf hat that's how one of them and they went around and they, they stole the show it was great yeah. so i can't thank everybody enough who came out and supported us all of our sponsors and everybody who donated to the golf event. Uh, We'll be back there July 21st next year. We're already booked. So That's right. Hey, Ed, let's talk a little bit of sports before we bring in our guests. What do you think? There's something called the Olympics that are happening right now. Something like that. Wow. Did you hear that thunder? Came through the mic. I could see the lightning. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Maybe we'll we'll be able to talk some Halloween here tonight. (laughs) But yeah, Red Sox back in first place. Yep. Tonight, as we're recording, is the NBA draft, I think, is tonight or tomorrow night. And then free agency for hockey starts uh, tomorrow as well. So a yep. lot of sports going around. Patriots are getting ready to get back to the field, too. So I cannot wait. I don't want summer to end, but I'm ready for football. <laughs> I'm so ready, and I'm so ready to see what they're going to do. But with that, let's bring in our guest for the night. He is a great friend of Voices of Hope. He's yep. been in your living rooms for 50 years, but you probably have not seen him in your living rooms for 50 years. He is the voice of Boston Radio. He's got a new book out, My 50-Year Love Affair with Radio. Uh, the one and only WBZ Radio nighttime host, Jordan Rich. Hey, Jordan. Hi, Jordan. It's great to be with you, and uh, I've been working on my golf game for three years, so next July I'll join you. Oh, really? Fantastic. Yeah. I haven't kept score yet. That's the one thing. I, I don't un- I even understand how to, but... I golf with my wife and she's into the net and the gross and the gross and the net and the handicap this and handicap that. But I'm good enough to hack it up with you guys next year. Excellent. Well, that's what we do. We hack it up. (laughs) We do a lot of aerating of the golf course. So, (laughs) My theory is if you're going to pay that much money, you might as well see the whole course. (laughs) You know, golf balls are like 
uh, eggs every you know week or so. I have to buy another dozen. So yep. uh, <laughs> I, I'm okay with the whole concept. I bought colored balls this year, so I couldn't lose them. And you still lost them. I have all, every imaginable color of golf ball, and I've lost every one of them. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you, you'll come uh, be with us next year. I'm looking forward to it. It's a very it fun day. All our volunteers, I gave them the red t-shirts this year so the golfers would see them on the course, and it's the first year one got hit. So I think That's the red right. might have attracted the balls. <laughs> Did anybody yell five, or is it six? What are you supposed to yell, Ed, when... Um, I, seven, seven. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause you're looking up to heaven after you got hit in the head with the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. I'm glad. I love when yeah. people take, take up golf. My wife took up golf, so she wasn't stuck in the office when all the guys went out and uh, golfed when, in her business. So she went out and took up golf and plays and she didn't play this year. She likes, uh, hanging out with the ladies at getting ready for the, uh, event and everything. She's pretty good. So. Well, it's an interesting game. Uh, I can understand how people would get very frustrated and break their sticks and do all that kind of stuff. I uh, remember you were talking about Jackie Gleason. I remember Ed Norton, address the ball. Hello, ball. That <laughs> makes me laugh. I think of the Three Stooges and I'm having fun out there, you know? How many times did we say hello, ball? Oh, several. Several times. Too, too many times to count. So predictable, but I love you for it. Speaking of Jackie Gleason, I want to talk later about a lot of the people that you uh, interviewed. I read read your book. I can't believe some of the people you got to meet, which is unbelievable. But it's really funny because when I was reading your book and you're talking about the people that you interviewed and how they were, I remember being a kid and listening to music on the radio and thinking, how do they get all the bands in there? And how do the bands travel from town to town? Not understanding at the time. <laughs> it was records or tape or whatever they did back then. It was, it was just funny. Jordan, I think we met. I was trying to go back through some photographs because I always have trouble. I have trouble remembering what I did yesterday. We met in 2012. That was the first show you emceed for us. And you've been our MC ever since back at Jordan Hall. We had Livingston Taylor and Candy O'Terry sang that night. Mm -hmm. But we met just prior to that because I was trying to come up with an acoustic show to raise some extra money. I think, what, Ed, 10 people showed up to that. But it got me into your studio because Britannica was playing in our, in our show, that acoustic show. Yes, I remember and they knew you, and we came on, and that was 2012. So we've known each other now for going on 10 years. 10 years. It's it's so interesting, guys. Uh, Britannica is a, a two-man group, basically, and they would uh, do British covers, an older dude and a younger guy, and they're brilliant. They I'm on the air. And that's the beauty of life. You, you link up and you become friends with people, and other friends join in. But I remember that distinctly. And, of course, Livingston Taylor, what a gem he is. He's an amazing human being, and a, he's become a – I don't want to say a close personal friend, but certainly a very good friend and colleague. It all comes together beautifully. And of course, uh, having an affair with Ed's wife over the years on stage has not <laughs> yep. been bad either. Yeah, she talks about that all the time, even in her sleep. <laughs> yeah. Love letters. It's, it's strictly, acting, strictly right. acting. Someday you'll have to get me in a room with Livingston again, because I want to apologize. He was our first real guest artist that performed. Beautifully done. Jordan Hall did a couple of songs. It was great. And at the end, you know, I'm thanking everybody and thanking you and thanking blah, blah, blah. And I thought he'd left because I hadn't seen him. And then we said goodnight. And I looked to my right and he's standing there with his guitar. I felt terrible that I never thanked him or brought him back out for the last <laughs> bow. So I've always wanted to have him back, but I've embarrassed because he'd be like, oh, that's the group that didn't even. You know what? Me. I'll <laughs> gladly intervene. I will gladly intervene. He, he's a sweetheart. It's James who's a pain in the neck, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, I felt bad for nine years, so I think it's time to uh, make amends there. 
you had a lot of theater roots. Yeah. I don't know. Was that before radio or is that what got you into radio? That was before radio. And I'm, I'm talking to two guys who uh, share my love. And you you guys are true musical comedy, Broadway style singers. I am not by any stretch. But I got into high school theater and fell in love. And I did at every play I could get my hands on. Uh, three musicals. And this is really weird because I was watching... I do a lot of research for, for my television and movie reviews. And there's some show I can't even remember I saw. And the characters on the show are transplanted into this Pleasantville-type environment where three Broadway shows were mentioned. And it's just ironic that all three of these Broadway shows were the shows I did in high school. Brigadoon, <laughs> Music Man, and Carousel. It's just weird I, I saw that. But and those were the three musicals. And I did a bunch of one-acts. And I absolutely loved being on the boards. It was great. Mm. You um, did a show with us. You did Love Letters at the Nuts. What's what Ed is talking about. Mm-hmm. Love Letters at the North Shore Music Theater's uh, Backstage Bistro, which was a, it was you and Dana. And then who was the other gentleman? It was Karen and... Dana Hersey, wasn't it? Dana, Dana Hersey, yes. That right. threw me off two Danas. Well, <laughs> right, two, yeah. two Danas and no Danish, by the way. I was very angry about the fact that there was Dana and no Danish. I always request that in my dressing room before the show. Green Danish. It's got to be green Danish. <laughs> you did You did interview Carrie Fisher, who wore two Danishes on her head. So you're two Danishes ahead of us. <laughs> but you guys are both champions of theater. You guys do so much. Just being up there introducing you is such a kick. I mean, I've seen Ed in many productions and on stage as Tevya and all kinds of roles. And this guy, Greg, man, he can sing anything off the, off the charts. It's really great. But theater is wonderful. It's it's something we missed. I know you guys missed being out there this past mm-hmm. year and a half. Yep. And I'm so thrilled that it's slowly coming back, hopefully safely. Yeah, it's uh, hopefully safely coming back, but it is coming back. We've already talked about our production next spring. Right now, we're in the middle of doing a virtual show for the fall. We're going to be doing seven videos, uh, music videos. I can't tell you how happy I'll be when we throw that camera out the window and never do another virtual show again. <laughs> but before you before you say that and do that, let me just tell the the world listening. I've seen you guys on the uh, the Massachusetts the battleship in Fall River, and I've seen you at various locales in New England. And of course, there's a guy named John Deputy who yeah he's trying yep. to become the sheriff and nobody will let him. But John Deputy <laughs> is your video producer good friend of Dan and mine, Dan Tebow, who's producing this show. And I've got to tell you, man, your videos are just off the charts amazing, just beautifully. I mean, the, the performances are one thing are off the charts, but the production values top notch. So thank you. Nicely done. We've been really fortunate, you know, to have a couple of really incredible video teams. You know, the folks from Mass General, uh, when we did the Cranes Estates, You Will Be Found video, which you did the voiceover for, which was yeah. awesome. And yeah, the, the USS Massachusetts, a battleship. What a treat to be able to do a performance on that, to have the type of technology and the professionalism in that video, you know, with the great cameras, the drone work. It's just, it's just a treat. There's just one problem, Greg. Uh, when Ed wanted to sneak off and take a nap, I told him, you don't go to the poop deck. That's not where you take a nap. <laughs> Well, we did find out why it's called The Head. I forget why, though. I read it, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, and I've already forgotten. What is the reason? I forget. There were, there were a couple of other reasons, but the, because of the location oh. of the latrine was, was always placed at the head of the ship. So that's, that's when they right. said they were going to The Head. That's where you went. 
when you're talking about technology and drones, my favorite part after watching the video all day, they were saying, don't look at the drone. Don't look at the drone. Just keep doing your thing. And then I see us. And in some of the drone shots, we look like ants. I'm like, well, how could you tell I wasn't looking at the drone? <laughs> it was a, it was a beautiful shot, but I'm like, I could be looking up at the drone. I have no idea. It, the shots were uh, amazing, both videos. And I, I also worked with the, the other video team uh, as well on the Mass General stuff. And very, very impressive stuff. I mean, to do what you guys have been doing in the midst of this horrific period of isolation. Uh, I, I know how challenging it is to all the groups out there, but congratulations. It's, it's been a real challenge. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're part of the 100 now too, aren't you, Jordan? The Mass 100? Very proud to be part of the 100. I'm sure you've talked about the 100 before. Yes. It's, it's a bittersweet pride because mm-hmm. we all have reasons to be fighting cancer and, and fighting for research, personal reasons, all of us. But yeah, that was a that was an honor, and that was the night when I was part of that 100, when the master of ceremonies was a young man named Matt Damon. Do you remember that? Were you there? I, I, I oh, you you helped me get a picture with Matt Damon. Oh, then you were there. <laughs> Your best buddy. He was here when we got inducted. Uh, you know, I didn't want to ask him for his picture. Other people were. I was like, I, I didn't want to. And you're like, well, you're getting one now. And you walked me over by the arm, said, Matt, you're taking a picture with this young man. And he, and he did. It was great. And now I use it all, all the time to out-trump all my friends saying, hey, I got a picture with a celebrity. I was that courageous back then. I was, I had, I guess I. You did. I had no fear. Um, that was also a night when, God bless her, uh, Valerie Harper was there. We met her. And there was another actor, uh, Chris. Chris Cooper. Chris, Chris Cooper, Cooper was brilliant. That was a great night. That was a real treat to be there that night. And I told Matt, I'm not ever going to uh, be his stand-in for Jason Bourne movies going forward <laughs> because well, I nicked my knee just a little bit and I, I cried like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> just just a little bit. We were in it as well. And it is bittersweet because it means that your life has been touched by cancer. And I know I want to talk a little bit about Wendy. We also were went through your journey with Wendy and her journey with cancer. Um, and you talk about that in your book as well, how your family has uh, come together. Tell us a little bit about Wendy. I was married for, for 31 years to a great lady, and we had two children. We, we have now two grandchildren. Uh, she was a teacher, special needs, just as my daughter is now. You know, we got married in 1982 and had a, had a life together and all that. And then we're touched by cancer in 89 when Lindsay, my daughter, was two years old. We just saw some lightning. And um, hear that? Hear that thunder? Wow. (laughs) Anyway, um, touched by cancer for the first time. That was in 89. It was uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was curable. I put quotes around that. She had massive doses of radiation, and she was declared cancer-free after about a year of treatment. Had another uh, slight flare-up in 2000, 2001. And we thought... You know, it was a thyroid issue. We thought, well, that's okay. We'll just keep an eye on things. And everything was going along smoothly and nicely until the late 2011, I guess, when she had a cough that wouldn't go away. And, of course, we had it checked out and it turned out to be uh, the, the ultimate cancer that took her, uh, mesothelioma, which is not a good one to have. None of them are good to have. Yeah. But uh, to... I don't want to get into too many details, except to say uh, we took the journey together. My learning curve was expanded greatly. My appreciation for everything, my understanding of the doctors, nurses, uh, Mass General's amazing team.
team that absolutely kept her going longer than anyone else might have. So kudos to them and their caring, loving people. And uh, we lost her in 2013, three months before my daughter's wedding. But here's what I wanted to tell you that's kind of metaphysically pretty cool. I've got a granddaughter. We've got two granddaughters. When I say we, I've I've since remarried a lovely gal named Roberta. You guys know Roberta, of course, Mm -hmm. for for a very good reason. (laughs) (laughs) When my daughter, Lindsay, was pregnant with her first, it was decided before the baby arrived, and they knew the the gender of the baby, that the baby would be named after Wendy. Because in, in the Jewish faith, and Ed, you know this, in the Jewish faith, you name a child after someone's deceased as a way of honor and carrying on the tradition. Well, anyway, my little granddaughter was due on, I think, the 20th of June, six years ago, and decided to hang out and wait four days. That fourth day was important because it was Wendy's birthday, June 24th. And her name, I refer to her as L, that's her middle name, is Wendy L. So I always think there's a sign from her that all's well. But Mm. uh, yeah, she was a valiant fighter. And like so many of the people in Voices of Hope and, and the people related to those in Voices of Hope, the valiance, the courage, the grit, and the fortitude to just hang in there, even when things look bleak, was just so inspiring. So uh, you guys did a tribute to a bunch of fallen heroes. And I remember being on stage and her picture came up. Uh, this was in 20, uh, tw- probably 2013, right? Right after she passed. And I, I did the show and I was desperate to do the show because I needed something to do <laughs> to, to fight back in a way. So, uh, yeah, she was a remarkable lady as is the lady I'm thrilled and lucky to be with today. When well, we took that journey with you, uh, like we tell all our friends who are going through it now, we have friends going through it today. You have this whole VOH village to help you out, and we try to do as much as we can, but it's like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough journey, and you have a learning curve. I Like with my mom, I had to learn within a couple months how to really just take care of her. Yeah. Uh, because that was back in Indiana, and they didn't really have, the hospital was, you know, 30 30 miles away. Yeah. So the last few weeks she was in hospice, but it was, so we took care of her that way. But what, what is also fascinating is all the charity events that you have done over the years for not just us, but I know you do a ton of other events. So in your own way, you're keeping her spirit alive by all the work that you do. And I'm helping those who, you know, like we always say, we don't know who we're helping because they're patients. So we're just doing out of what we can do. And you're doing the same thing. And you just keep her spirit alive through all that work that you do. So we appreciate that from a whole cancer community. I'm, I'm, I'm very humble about things like this, but I will say when you, when you're given a talent, you guys and the people in voices of hope have so much talent, dancing, singing, you know, creating shows, you're Dana directing, you know, 200 people. What I do is, is, use my big mouth to get people's attention, get them to sit down, get them to laugh, and then move on. But I'm very happy with that uh, arrangement. You know, Dick Clark made a career out of it, so it's okay with me. Uh, but I have the I have the rostrum, if you will. I have the, the bully pulpit of radio, and radio is still a great medium for what we've all done together, you know? Yeah. How many times have we sat around a radio studio at midnight promoting you guys. I mean, I, I, it's got to be a dozen. At least. Close, yeah. Two shows a year. 
you know, for several years. Got to meet Grace Kelly through you. And then um, she did a video for us in our last virtual right. um, concert. She did a nice uh, holiday. She did a holiday song for us. I got to meet Charlie Scopoletti, who's a great guy. Yep. Exactly. And we became pals whenever we see each other. There's just so many people that were part of this experience and are part of this experience. Uh, I put Voices of Hope at the top of my list when I list events and things that I've done. I always lead with you guys because it's me it's more than just an event for me it's first of all it's a chance to screw around and have some fun (laughs) and perform in my own inimitable way but it really is very meaningful so thank you again for all that do you want to tell the story about my engagement uh proposal i was getting to that because in your book (laughs) we are listed as the serenaders (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. talk about that night uh with your book and i was like hey we made the book the people who serenaded her at the at the restaurant but well wasn't there a footnote at the end of the book that says who the serenaders were <laughs> if not it'll be in the sequel okay <laughs> you guys uh were so nice to come to a swanky joint in everett massachusetts called the 810 bar and grill which is a favorite of mine and roberta's too and it was a favorite of wendy's too you were secretly dining and probably enjoying yourselves. And then when the cue came for me to get up and go into the bathroom and excuse myself to put on a full length penguin suit. <laughs> and he's not, he's not talking tuxedos people. He put, it's a penguin, penguin as in the bird. Amazon, you can get anything. Yeah. And then you guys serenaded, uh, all you need is love by the Beatles, Peter, Nintendo, Nintendo, ten, I always call him Nintendo. You know Peter. You know talking. <laughs> yes, about. Peter Tintendo. Yes, Tintendo, Tintendo. We had a. It was a great, and and everybody applauded, and it was bizarre. And I gave her a two dollar cheapo penguin ring that I got out of a Cracker Jack spot. Since then, she's upgraded. So, <laughs> but I, I, it was blast, and you guys were were great, and absolutely, that's the thing about actors. You know, if you're really good, you blend in. Nobody knew. Who, she didn't recognize you. She didn't notice you. No. And I, I'm sure she'd seen one of our shows. Yeah, she had. Absolutely. She's seen one of your shows. Absolutely. She was with yeah, me. Yeah, but you're, you're out of context. You really, you really don't expect to see those people in a place like that. So it's always easy to blend. And you know something? People who know me, I mean, I'm a very small C conservative person. I mean, I don't, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't even carouse. I don't do anything. But I like to have fun. And occasionally, I'll, I'm, you guys ever do this. I, I'm in an elevator. Well, when they used to have crowded elevators. And I'll turn <laughs> and face the people in the elevator and I say, okay, you're singing soprano. You guys are singing alto. <laughs> row, 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 you about. Ready? And of course, half the people think it's get me out of here, get me the hell out of here. But I like doing things like that. I like being spontaneous. So that was great that night. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. They really get nervous, though, when you hit the emergency stop and don't let the elevator go until they actually do start yeah. singing. Yeah, and when, you, and when I excuse myself to open up the hatch and say, i got to adjust the lighting, I'll be right back, <laughs> that, that got them a little weary, too. Yeah, but that's why people love you and loved, your, loved you in radio for all those years, because you are who you are on the radio. One of the stories I read when I was reading your book was uh, your interview with Richard Harris. You know, you, you equated it to his alcoholism, but he treated people poorly. And uh, you, you've talked about judging people, how they treat the waiters and the valets and all that stuff. You're who you are on the radio, in person, in life. And I think that people hear that and know that and understand that. And that's why you've had such a success in radio. You know, uh, to be 
brutally honest, why would I not be? Um, the radio changed me. I didn't, I didn't come into this, this industry with the sensibilities that I, that I've garnered from it. It's really interesting because when you're learning without a net on the fly, how to react to people, first of all, just from a practical point of view, you have to be listening or you're going to lose your place and just sound like a babbling idiot. So I forced myself to physically learn how to listen, but then it was not just listening. It was hearing people, you know what I mean? And I started opening up the eardrums and realized people have a lot of issues and things that they want to get off their chest or they have a sweetness or they have uh, an edge or whatever, but they're fascinating. They're interesting. One of my favorite things to do on the radio was interview the caller night where I would say, all right, call up. I don't care who you are, what you do, doesn't matter. I'm going, you're going to be my guest for 10 minutes. And guys, you wouldn't believe. I mean, we had everybody, you know, truck drivers and massage therapists and people. And it wasn't just about what they do, but it's what their hopes and dreams were. So that was that was the thing that I took from all that. And I still do. I love learning about people. You uh, left the overnight not too long ago. Do you miss the overnight? I know other than not being able to sleep, but do you miss that <laughs> that part of the uh, part of your life? You know, I... The, the radio station in question, WBZ, is now 100 years old in September as we wow. tape this. It's wow. a couple of months away. Literally 100 years old. The oldest commercially licensed station in the country. Uh, second to go on air, I believe. Something like that. I had a, uh, a free reign, literally, to do whatever I wanted. After midnight, boss said, do whatever you want, as long as you keep it clean and don't get us in trouble. And it was, a, it was in all seriousness, it was a sense of respect because I had been in the business a long time and they trusted me and I, they knew I would carry on in the tradition. So I just did. And I, it was a creative playground. I missed that part of it, Greg. I missed that part of it a lot because there were nights when you guys were in, we, we would talk Broadway shows for two hours, right? Yeah. We, we promote yeah. the events, but we just, or uh, I would do food nights where people would call in with their favorite, where to get the best bagel, or I would, you know, talk with people about movies or anything that I wanted to do. And it was a, it was a paragon of fun. It was so much fun. Don't miss the lack of sleep. However, one of the downsides though, is that whenever you would come and you would do MCR show, you wouldn't be able to stay for the cast party because you'd always have to be getting yourself back into town. So you could get back on air by midnight. Yeah. People think, Oh, midnight, that means you got all t- all the time in the world. Well, first of all, you have to figure out when you're going to sleep. But second of all, you have to get there by at least quarter to 12. I walked in a couple of times in my tuxedo and walked through the front door, literally opened the studio door and went on the air. Uh, and people, I w- people would think, how the hell do you do that? I said, well, I know what I'm doing. I know where it is. I know the door. I know the microphone switch, but yeah, I, I missed, a, I missed so many of those cast parties particularly the ones that the uh, Peabody and Danvers and Saugus police raided, you know, up in the North Shore, Beverly police. And I really, really do hope I can get the negatives to those pictures. Those were the highlights. I, I don't know if you remember my very first interview with you. I was like, I got all the time in the world. I live north of Boston, eight miles. So I'm like, all right, I'll leave at 11. I have to be there at midnight. So it'll get me there. This is before Waze. Leverett Circle is closed <laughs> and I am stuck on... S- getting through Leverett Circle. So my first 10 minutes of interview with you were on my phone. Yeah. And then I ran into the studio and got back, got on the air. It was 
I was mortified. I'm like, this guy's never going to have me on again. And you know what? That's probably more memorable for you, but also for the listeners. They love that stuff. Uh, what I discovered early on, and I tell students and, and anybody I mentor in this business, I say, don't be afraid to be human. You make a mistake. All right. We don't, we want to be professional, but if I look back at all the flubs and silly things I said and sneezing on the air and dropping my coffee all over the control board, I mean, these things happen. It's life. But that was great. I do remember that. And I said, well, just pick up the phone and, and then walk in and we'll pick it up. I'll take a break and you'll come and you'll magically <laughs> appear. And you did. There I was. Yeah. I was I was like, oh, my God, this might was my first time ever being interviewed on, on the radio. And I was like, this is not going to end well. But it did. Here we are 10 years later talking about it. Yeah. yeah so funny. Yeah. One of the stories I was reading in your book, Jordan, I didn't realize happened in my hometown of Stoneham. And it's oh. like, thank God, everything turned out well. But what a what an experience that was. Yeah. And, and you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I was the I was the victim of a quote unquote, violent crime. I wasn't hurt physically, but I was shaken emotionally and mentally as anybody would be. I was in the broad daylight and walked into a, a, a hostage situation <laughs> and had a gun pointed at my head. It's pretty, uh, it's not like the movies. Uh, what is interesting, it's it's true what they say about your life flashing before your, your eyes. It's mm-hmm. absolutely true. While I was, it was only 20 minutes or so, but it was it felt like forever. And while I was upstairs with my head down, like in the downward dog position, thinking, oh, this is so embarrassing to go this way. I don't want to, no offense, Ed, I don't want to get blown away in a Stoneham parking lot. Neither do I. <laughs> you know, Wakefield maybe, but not Stoneham. <laughs> As I was there, I the only thing I could think of was, well, at the time Wendy was pregnant, I could only think, I'm not going to be there when he or she arrives, the next one. That's not fair. Hmm. So, of course, he did arrive. And ironically, again, weird stuff. Weird stuff. The day that my son was born, I got a call before I go to the hospital, I guess, from the DA's office. Right. And they said, we have apprehended some criminals. These were armed criminals, probably drug drug addicts as well, in a robbery, and wondered if you could identify them. And I said, honest to God, I, I couldn't. I, I walked in. I was a guy out front. I never looked at him. And all I felt was the gun in my head, and I just, that was it. So they came to my house as soon as we got home with Andrew. So it's just interesting that on the day he was born, they solved the case. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, there are no coincidences. I've, I've lived yeah. long enough to know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Things happen all the time. But that was pretty uh, pretty hairy and uh, glad that I thwarted death at that point because I had so many more things to do in that day alone. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this first episode with Jordan Rich. I hope you'll come back next week when Jordan talks more about his interaction with celebrities, his life in radio, and much more. Join us for more laughs and we'll see you then. Have a great week.
you.